Well, good morning. This morning, um, as I've said now for a long time, we're continuing to walk through the book of Matthew together. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at what Jesus has to say about the end times. And and, um, I'm going to be the first one to tell you that these are some somber verses. And these are some somber times. If you recall, it's about Wednesday um, of Jesus' final week on earth. In a matter of hours, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, and he's going to be crucified. And so just as we walk through these verses, even together this morning, just keep that in mind. You know, following his rebuke against the Pharisees and the religious leaders inside the temple, Jesus leaves from the temple and his disciples are with him. And Jesus begins to talk to them about the destruction of the temple. And they go over to the Mount of Olives. Jesus has a seat and the disciples come to him and they ask him two questions. First of all, they want to know what Jesus meant about the destruction of the temple. And then they want to know what Jesus had to say about the end time. So what Jesus does is he answers the second question before the first question. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the six signs that Jesus gave to his disciples. And just by way of review, Jesus told them um, that these are some signs of, of things and events that will happen before his return. If you recall, there will be spiritual deception. False teachers and false religions will rise up. International conflict, wars like we've never witnessed before will be on the horizon. Natural disasters, disasters will be so um, great that the probably the closest that we've ever witnessed to such a natural disaster is watching a Hollywood film. Brutal persecution. Every corner of this world is going to experience persecution. Every believer in every corner, even here in America. Worldwide apostasy. People will announce the name of Christ and they are going to leave the church at alarming at an alarming rate. And there will also be global evangelism. Every Every tribe will have had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus and to read of the name of Jesus. Then last week we looked at what Jesus had to say about the destruction of the temple. And we studied how the Lord left his disciples and us with warnings pertaining to what to do when the end time events begin unfolding. We also briefly looked at the Antichrist. Now this morning we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about his physical return. And we're going to cover a pretty good chunk of scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be reading verses 29 through 51 together. So turn with me over there, Matthew 24, verses 29 through 51 is what we're going to read together this morning. This is what we read. Beginning in verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch begins 
becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know the summer is near. So also when you see all things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them the proper or give them the food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servant and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray together. Father God, as we um, come together this morning, Lord Jesus, just to walk through this passage of Scripture, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will speak to each and every one of us, Lord. I know that this morning we're going to cover a significant number of Scripture, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will just allow all of us to grasp what it is that you would have us to learn today. Father, help me, Father, to speak the truth of your word. Help me, Father, not to speak my words, but to speak your words, Lord. And Father, we do pray as we walk through this passage of Scripture that when it's all said and done, Father, when this morning is all said and done, all of us will leave here recognizing the urgency that is needing within each of our hearts to be prepared for your coming. Because when we are prepared, that's going to help us make sure that others are prepared as well. So, Father, help us this morning. Speak to us this morning and just reveal your truth to us this morning. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, what we're going to look at this morning is this. The reality of Jesus's return. As we study this morning, let me remind you, as we looked at last week, there are hundreds of passages within scripture that deal with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. David Jeremiah, in fact, said for every biblical prophecy on the first coming of Christ, there are eight concerning his second. That is a lot. And that tells us that the study of eschatology is important. You may be here this morning and you do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, you have a hard time just believing in the first advent of Christ, his first coming. That may be you this morning. You may be here this morning because someone invited you. You may be here this morning because um, you are truly seeking to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. 
If that is you, I want to welcome you. My prayer this morning for you is that you will come to recognize that Jesus did indeed come to this earth 2,000 years ago. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died a criminal's death on the cross, and he came the, became the sacrificial lamb. He bore your sins and my sins upon himself. He shed his blood to cover our sins. He died on the cross. He was placed in a tomb. The grave could not hold him. Three days later, he conquered death. He rose to life, and he provided a way for every single one of us in this room also to experience life. We experience life when we trust in Jesus, when we repent of our sins, and we, and we turn to him and acknowledge him to be the Savior and Lord of our lives. When Jesus Christ came the first time, he came as a humble servant. He came and he demonstrated love is what he did. John three sixteen. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Following the rapture though, Jesus will come again. And he will come as the righteous judge. My question for all of us in this room this morning is, will you stand condemned when Jesus returns? Or will you be rewarded when Jesus returns? Notice our first point this morning. It is this, the time of Jesus' return. We read in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Here is the reality. The only end-time belief that, that I would say the church universally holds to is that Jesus Christ is going to return. Everything beyond that, there are opinions that are out there. The details pertaining to the return of Christ, those have probably been debated since Jesus Christ ascended to take his rightful place next to the Father in heaven. If I were to ask you what you believe about eschatology, I would probably get multiple answers. If it, when it comes to the millennial reign, some of you in this room, you're all millennialists. Some of you are premillennialists. Some of you are postmillennialists. When it comes to the, the, the time of tribulation, some of you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Some of you believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. Some of you believe in a post-tribulation rapture. When it comes to the rapture um, or to the time of tribulation, what we know is this, that there will be a rapture and, 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 or that there will be a time of tribulation. It will be a seven-year period of time. So if you are a pre-tribulation person, you believe that Jesus Christ is going to rapture you away before the seven years of, 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 of tribulation. If you're a mid-tribulation believer, you believe that Jesus is going to come right there at that halfway point, about three and a half years into it. And if you're a post-trib guy, then obviously you believe that it's going to be after Jesus is going to return for the church after the tribulation. Regardless of your belief, if you believe that Jesus Christ is going to return, someone once said that it's all going to pan out. And that's exactly right. It's all going to pan out. I don't know what you believe in this room this morning, but I do want you to know this. One thing that we know for absolute certainty is that Jesus Christ is going to return. He's going to return for his church. He's going to return to judge those that have chosen to renounce him. Those are things that we know without a shadow of a doubt. However, it is still important 
for us to have a right interpretation of Scripture. I wish I could say that when it comes to eschatology, it is all laid out in Scripture and that it's really, really easy to understand, but unfortunately that is not the case. But what I do want us to do this morning is I want us to look at a few things that we do know. The first thing that we know is that there is going to be a seven-year period when the Antichrist or the beast, as he is declared in Revelation, is going to rise to power. Daniel tells us that he will make a covenant that will last for seven weeks. He actually, that means seven years. We read of that in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And it says, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. The Antichrist will make a covenant with the nation of Israel. For three and a half years, he will be a friend of the Jews. He will be a friend of the Christian. However, after three and a half years, he will break his covenant with Israel. He will desecrate the temple of the Lord, and he will force people to worship him and his image. And during the final three and a half years, there will be abomination and desolation as we looked at last week. This will be the single worst period in all of human history. Billions will perish at the hands of the Antichrist. Their death will be the result of war, as a result of disease, the result of famine, the result of torture. Millions of Christians are going to be martyred for their faith. Here's what I've always believed about the tribulation. I've always been a pre-tribulation guy. I've always held to the belief that Scripture speaks of Jesus' return in two phases. First, he will come and rapture the church before the days of tribulation. He will rapture the believer and take the believer to heaven. Then all chaos will break loose on earth. Following the seven years of tribulation, Jesus will return with his angels and his bride, and he will annihilate the Antichrist and Satan and all of his evil forces. He will then establish his kingdom here on earth. Now, I still believe that, but as I get older and as I study more, I realize that there is not a single verse in all of Scripture that speaks to that exactly as I've just shared it with you. So I'm not going to be dogmatic when it comes to the events that will unfold in the end. In the future, we will study the book of Revelation. I don't know when that's going to be, that there's going to be a day that we're going to do that. We're going to look a little bit more about what the millennial reign is going to look like. We're going to look at more on what tribulation is going to look like. But here's what I do want us to see this morning. Jesus tells us that he is going to return after the tribulation. For those who believe in the pre-tribulation, obviously this will be his second coming. The first event being the rapture and the second being the day of judgment. When that day comes, Jesus says that these are the signs that you will, will see knowing that his return is imminent. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. When we read of what is going to happen at the end of time, many may think that if any of those things happen, that the world is indeed coming to an end. And that is exactly right. I mean, think about the day that the sun does not shine and the moon does not reflect the sun any longer. And when the stars and the, and the, 
moons and the planets, they begin to explode and they begin to implode upon one another. When those days come, then what we know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ's return is just over the horizon. Scripture goes on to tell us in Matthew 24, verses 30 through 31, we read this. Following these events, Jesus says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. You know, when I read verse 30, I think that this is one of the most depressing verses of Scripture in all of God's Word. Because what do, what do we read here? When Jesus Christ comes, what are the people on the earth going to be left doing? Those that are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, what are they going to be left doing? They're going to be left mourning. They're going to be left crying. They're going to be wet, left weeping. You know why? Because it will be too late for them at that moment in time. They will have renounced their, or given up their opportunity to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior on this side of eternity. They will be left mourning. They will be found mourning because the day of judgment will be at hand. Those left mourning will be left without hope because their eternal fate will be sealed. They have chosen to reject Jesus Christ and the consequences will be eternal death. If Jesus Christ returns today, will you be ready? It's a question for all of us in this room. If Jesus Christ was to return today, would you be ready? Will you be ready for that day? Let me ask you this. If Jesus returns today, how many of those that we call friend, how many of those that we call family member or neighbor or coworker or students that we go to school with, how many of them will be left behind if Jesus Christ was to return today? Do you know the answer to that? Man, when I say that, I'm speaking to myself too. So understand. Man, I don't know if all of my friends are Christians. I don't know if every family member that I have is a Christian. I don't know if every neighbor that that surrounds my house are Christians. I don't know the answer to that. So that gives me an urgency to want to know if they're a believer or not. Here's the reality. You and I, we cannot force anyone to become a Christ follower. We can't make anyone become a Christian, but you know what we can do? We can ask them. We can know for certain whether or not if they were to die today, if they would spend eternity with Jesus Christ. We can't dictate what they're going to decide, but we certainly can know for sure whether or not they know who Jesus is and whether or not they have chosen to believe in Jesus or reject Jesus. When Jesus does return, what we know is he is going to call to himself all believers. What a glorious day that is going to be. Next, Jesus goes on and he speaks about the fig tree. You know, you and I do not need to be an arborist in this room to know that at certain times of the year, things begin to happen outside of the doors of this church, right? When you, when you look at a tree come late fall, what does the tree begin to do? It begins to change colors, the leaves do. And they begin to shed their leaves. But come spring, what happens? That limb 
begins to bud. And that bud will eventually open and another leaf will spring forth. And eventually what's going to happen is if it is a fruit-bearing tree, it's going to produce fruit. Jesus is telling his disciples here that just as a fig tree is dependable to do certain things in certain seasons, so can you and I depend upon his words. He is saying that when all of the predictions he has spoken of begins to happen, then you and I can be certain that his return is soon. His return is imminent. Folks, Jesus will return. Question that we must answer is, will we be ready? Notice our second point. Notice the suddenness of Jesus' return. In verse 36, we read, But concerning the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Since Jesus spoke of his return, in spite of this one passage of Scripture, people have been predicting to the day, to the time, and the hour that Jesus Christ is going to return. All of us have heard predictions of Jesus' return being imminent. Some of you may have even read books by people saying that Jesus' return is going to be on December the 28th, 1974, whatever it might be. I mean, they get so specific. But what did Jesus say here in Scripture? Not even the Son knows when he is going to return. No one As Jesus clearly said, no one but the Father knows when the Son will return. So that, what you need to know is your pastor doesn't know when Jesus is going to return. Your growth group leader doesn't know when Jesus is going to return. The the leading um, theologian in all things eschatology doesn't know when Jesus Christ is going to return. No one knows, not even the Son, is what Jesus said here. So that, that, that kind of brings us, you know, that may m- make you where you're at this morning feel a little unsettled. How is it that Jesus doesn't know when he is going to return? Does that mean that Jesus wasn't fully God? That is not what that means at all. It is important to note here that Jesus was indeed 100% God and 100% human. However, there were some things that in Jesus' humanity, he voluntarily gave up. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, we read of this. It says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be crass. Think about that. There was never a time that Jesus was not fully God. Yet in his humanity, he had limitations like you and I have. I mean, he became hungry. He became sleepy. He became angry. He experienced pain. And he even saw death of his physical body. Granted, it was only for three days. But he still saw it. In his humanity, Jesus experienced everything you and I have experienced and everything that we will experience. Somehow, even though we can't grasp it, in his humanity, Jesus did not know the time or the hour of his return. Should that anger us or frustrate us or call us um, to believe that Jesus or that God's word is not inerrant? Not at all. 
what that tells us is that if it was important for us to know the day, the time, and the hour for Jesus' return, Jesus would have told us right here. It would have been recorded in Scripture that he was going to return on January the 1st, 2020, if that was what we needed to know. We do not know the time or the hour. But what we do know are the warning signs, so we better heed those and be ready and get ready for the day of the Lord. Notice what Jesus says next. Beginning in verses 37, we're going to read 37 through 44 again. It says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. What we know about the coming of Jesus is that there will be much chaos in the world. There will be natural chaos. There will be spiritual chaos. There will be worldly chaos. But there will also be many, many people oblivious to the signs of the end times. They will be sitting in their lawn chairs basically watching the Christians, as they prepare for the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Now, they're going to be, you know, um, I think about my friend Ken Torrey up here. Here's what I know about Ken. If there is a if there is a natural disaster that hits in, in this area, I'm giving up your secret right now, buddy. But if there is a natural disaster that hits in this area, I'm going to his house. Because he has more spam than probably the grocery stores have. And he has more bags of rice than the grocery stores have. Plenty of bottled water. We're going to be able to live for, for days at his house. All of us in this room. For days. If you want his address, just ask me, okay? But when I think about the end times. As believers, what are we supposed to be doing? We are supposed to be preparing for the day of the Lord. But what are those that aren't believers going to be doing? They're going to be living their life just normally. Man, they're going to be like me. If a natural disaster hits, man, we may have what? A couple of hours before we're going to starve to death, Danny? I mean, we have nothing in our house prepared for a natural disaster. But the reality is this. Jesus Christ is going to return. And for the believer, we must be ready. For the unbeliever, what the unbeliever is going to be doing, they're going to be caught off guard because they are not going to be prepared. Just like Noah, as he built that giant boat, most likely miles from the nearest body of of water, as he built that boat, what did everybody do? Man, they probably ridiculed him. They made fun of him. They chastised him. They, they probably graffitied that thing at night at times. I mean, there's no telling what the people did, but for a hundred years, what did Noah do? He was faithful. He built that boat, and he warned the people. But there's coming a day when the warning verbally will come to an end. And those that are left outside of the ark are going to perish. Those that are inside the ark are going to experience 
God's grace and God's protection. If you today had to determine where you stand, would you be in the ark because you've experienced God's grace and you've, ex- you've been saved through faith? Or would you be outside of the ark? And when the rains begin to come and the waters begin to rise, will you be left drowning in your sin? No, these are realities in God's word that we're reading about. We know that there was a real literal flood that happened many thousands of years ago. We also know that there is going to come another day when, when, when there may not be a flood. Or we're told in Scripture there's not going to be a flood that's going to flood the entire earth again. Okay? But there are going to be times of chaos, natural disasters, worldly disasters that cannot even begin to comprehend today. Those things are coming. In the end, will you be left behind? Or because you have trusted Jesus, will you be raptured? In conclusion this morning, and we're almost done, in Matthew 24, 45-51, we learn that we need to be ready for Jesus' return. Jesus will come like a thief in the night. One moment Believers will be here, and the next moment, believers will not be here. When we are gone, know that we will never be given another opportunity to proclaim the good news of salvation amongst the lost of this world. That's why we must be urgent today to share the good news of of Jesus. As we anticipate the return of the Lord, we have a choice. We can be like the wise servant as Matthew 24, 45 through 51 talks about. The wise servants live their lives as if Jesus' return is imminent. They're spiritually ready for his return. They're obediently living out the word of God, and they're actively sharing the good news of salvation amongst those that they come in contact with. That's what the wise servant does. Man, the wise servant makes sure that his house is in order. The wicked servant, though, the wicked servant was not about the Lord's work. The wicked servant was not ready for the Lord's return. As a result, he or she will spend eternity separated from the Lord in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Folks, this is real life stuff. Hollywood couldn't create a a movie script like this right here. This is going to happen. And when it does, are you going to be ready? Are those you love most going to be ready? In conclusion this morning, I don't say these things to scare us. God didn't give it to us to scare us, but to help prepare us for these times. But as we conclude this morning, I want to leave us with these words. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What a promise that is. Yes, one day everything around us, everything on earth, everything within the earth, everything within the heavenlies will come to an end. But one constant will be God's word. If Jesus said it, you can bank on it. You can believe that it is going to happen. You know, one of my favorite passages of Scripture to share at at Christmas, and y'all have heard me share it, 
and you're going to hear it again this Christmas, I'm sure, but Isaiah 9-7. Isaiah 9-7 speaks to Jesus' first advent, his first coming. Isaiah declared and and wrote these words, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus, I mean, this is a passage of scripture speaking of Jesus's first coming, his first advent. And the closing sentence is, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love that verse. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Here's reality. That speaks to Jesus's first advent, his first coming. But his second advent and his second coming, that very verse right there speaks to it as well. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is not a might do this or a maybe do this or this is possibly going to happen. We can bank on it because God's word speaks to it. And as we just read a second ago, my words, Jesus said, will not pass away. Everything that he spoke of on this day will come to pass. What it's all going to look like, how it's all going to unfold, I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ is going to return. And, you know, being a pre-tribulation guy, man, I'm looking forward to that day that I'm raptured away before utter chaos hits this earth. Looking forward to that. But if it doesn't happen like that, I'm okay with it because I know that Jesus Christ is going to return and that he's going to return for his church. Are you ready for Jesus' return? If you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? If you don't know the answer to that, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to repent of your sins and to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life. And the Bible says if you do that, then you will be saved. If you haven't done that before, in just a moment, I'm going to be standing here at the front, and I would love to share with you more about how you can enter into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning. You've been visiting this church for a while, and the Lord is leading you and your family to become members here, and we welcome you if the Lord is leading you to, to, to make friendship your church home. Let's stand together, and I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and then we're going to worship together. Lord Jesus, as we bring to an end, Father, our, our, our service, our time of worship and our time of preaching, Father, I know even over the past few weeks as we've been walking through Matthew chapter 24, Lord, for an unbeliever especially, there's not anything to smile about. And these are some, some, some hard verses to wrap our mind and our heart around. But for the believer, Lord Jesus, what we see throughout your word is hope. Hope in knowing that you are going to return to this earth. Hope in knowing that one day, Father, there will be no more wars. 
there will be no more natural disasters. There will be no more weeping, no more crying. There will be no more death. There is coming a day, Lord Jesus. We don't know when that will be. It could be tomorrow. It could be 50 years from now or 500 years from now. We do not know when that time is. But, Father, may all of us in this room be ready for that day. Father, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that does not have a relationship with you, that today will be the day that they give their lives over to you. I pray, Father, um, that they will repent of their sins and they'll cry out to you to be the Savior and Lord of their lives. Father, I pray also, Lord Jesus, if there's some here in this um, room this morning, Lord, that, that just need to do business with you, Father, that where they're at, they'll do that, or they'll come here to the altar and do that. Father, there may be some here that you're leading to become members of this church, Father. We welcome them. Father, as we now enter to this time of invitation, Lord, just speak to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's a decision you need to make, you come. If you need to come trust in Jesus, you come. Join this church, you come. If you need to just pray where you're at or come to this altar and pray, you do that. Um, otherwise, I'm just going to ask all of us, let's just bow our head, close our eyes. Instruments are going to be praying, and let's just spend a few minutes just in prayer. Just asking ourselves if there's someone specific that we need to reach out to with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're here this morning and there's a decision you need to make. You need to come and and respond to it. Now is the time to do that. You come now. You come.